Today on Guild of Dads, I'm joined by Tanner Guzzi from Masculine Style, and we discuss the myth perpetuated whereby real men don't care how they look. We also talk about the difference between fashion and style and how you can cultivate your own style. In addition to this, we discuss why you need to stop dressing like a boy. And right now. Hi, I'm Joe Horton, and this is Guild of Dads. Hey, you over there. Yeah, I can see you. Come over. Sit down and join me as I'm about to have a conversation about you. A conversation about what it means to be a dad, a role model, and to live a life of meaning. About your physical health, how you look after yourself, contribute to the world around you, and raise our next generation. A conversation that will shape the vision you have for yourself. Forever. Thanks for joining me today on the Guild of Dads podcast, the podcast where each week we talk about all the topics that relate to being a father and being a man in the modern world. Each week we have conversations with visionary men and experts in all aspects of fatherhood which really help you to level up and improve in every area. This includes relationships, parenting, how you show up in your community together with your mental health, physical health and fitness. My aim is to bring to you all the information, resources and expertise to really make you think hard about a vision for yourself and one on which you can take action, make an impact on yourself and others and find meaning. The conversation is relevant more than any other period in history because at the time of recording this, we're in the middle of a virus pandemic, the likes of which we haven't seen for over 100 years. There's massive changes afoot right now Um, not least the freedoms that we have previously enjoyed are being uh, curtailed and limited in order to bring this pandemic under control. And also, some of us are learning to appreciate things that we had taken for granted in the past. We're spending more time with our family, we're being a lot more present with our family, but also it's throwing up a number of challenges for many men and women living in close proximity to one another because put simply, we're just not used to spending this amount of time in close proximity with our loved ones. So it's throwing up all kinds of challenges at the moment. And like I said in the previous week's episode, last week's, we're going to speak about the coronavirus insofar as it relates to the context of the discussion we're having on here, but we're not going to labour labour on it too much because I appreciate that some of you guys are coming on to this podcast really to get a break uh, from the uh, humdrum of the popular media and take a break from what is actually going on um, in the uh, in the outside world, so to speak. Um, so this period of time, it's really going to test every aspect of being a father and a man to the limits, both during this period and also as we emerge from it. So the discussion about being a dad is very relevant right now. My guest today is author of the book, The Appearance of Power, How Masculinity is Expressed Through Aesthetics and founder of Masculine Style, Mr. Tanner Guzzi. Tanner's teachings are radically different 
from the standard concept of catwalk fashion and he interweaves the concept of style being an intrinsic part of how a man can improve their life and be treated by the world around them. His focus is on educating men just like you in how to cultivate their own unique style which is tailor-made to their surroundings they operate in, context and the wider way in which society operates. And now for my discussion with Tanner. Tanner, welcome to the Guild of Dads podcast. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk to you today. Yeah, same here, same here. We've kind of hooked up a little bit on kind of Twitter with me kind of checking out some of the stuff that you've been putting on and some of the stuff that I kind of put it, put on. And I, and I think we may possibly have a kind of light mind when it comes to kind of what the state of fashion and style and and all those kind of good stuff, how we've got to a stage where we're at right now where some of the stuff that I see going on is just a little bit kind of crazy. So I just wonder what your <laughs> thoughts were thoughts were on that, to say the least. Oh, man. Well, it's it, we're in such a weird time because you get these two extreme versions, and both of them are equally a problem, where on one end you have the, the guys who say real men don't care how they look. And as long as basically... I'm going to put on whatever. And if I do in any way look like I have put in any thoughts, my appearance, then somehow that makes me more effeminate, less of a man, whatever. And then on the opposite end of things, you have this fashion push, which is the stuff that you're seeing in magazines like GQ and Esquire. You're seeing on runways and all this stuff, which is basically how do we make men's style more androgynous, more humiliating, more insulting so that basically what both ends are doing is they are killing off any sense of masculine aesthetics mm-hmm. and the rest of us are kind of left in the middle going, no, wait, 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 no, there, there, there's a way to look really awesome and look really masculine. And you don't have to choose between this false dichotomy of, yeah, I care about how I look, but it's effeminate or I don't care how I look because that's the only way to be a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the, what I've, what I've kind of noticed with what I can see, certainly like you say in magazines, there is like this kind of push to be sort of, there's there's a push to be almost like different for the sake of being different mm-hmm. rather than just kind of embra- kind of embracing being different and i think and sometimes i wonder whether that is kind of bordering on maybe like attention seeking rather than actually making a statement about your your own stylistic preferences if that makes any sense it's, yeah you know what i mean yeah no and i would agree with that where it's it's like it's a version it's another version of postmodernism where it's the whole purpose of it is to just be different and to just be ugly and to be rebellious against anything that's traditional or beautiful or anything else, just because you hate the fact that any of that ever existed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not standing out in a positive way or in a, it's, it's basically just, it's the emperor's new clothes. It's Mm. I'm going to be as ugly as possible. And I'm going to dare you to actually tell me that it's not because according to our postmodern 21st century standards you're not allowed to tell me that it's ugly or that it's stupid or that it's androgynous or that it's whatever else yeah yeah so it's basically kind of almost being provocative to the point of right i'm going to see how how much of it i can get a reaction mm-hmm. out, out of what i'm doing and we see this right. over, we see this over here a lot now not just in terms of kind of like the like what you maybe term the high fashion that you see in kind of magazines but also at the other end of the spectrum you'll see people and this is going to come across as bashing people but i don't care you'll see people walking into like supermarkets shops 
wearing their pajamas or their mm-hmm. um, or their bathrobe and whatever and stuff. And you kind of you sort of look at them, you sort of think you must know that that's not acceptable to go out wearing your pajamas and bathrobe. So there is only one other reason why you're doing that, and that is to get attention and get a reaction. And actually, I'm not going to look at you, and I'm not going to stare at you. Stare at you. Yeah, I'm not going to give you that. That's what you want. Like exactly. Yeah. It's, per- it's kind of right. perverse. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's a statement. It's a social and political statement because everything is now. And these people are not so socially obtuse that they're not aware that it's that it's ridiculous to wear that kind of stuff. You're right. They're daring you, especially because then they get to feed into this victim complex of this judgmental jerk who just kept staring down his nose at me. It's like, that's what you want, because then you get to feel justified that there are they're, they're forcing you to be the villain in their narrative because they're real villains don't exist in these people's easy lives. And so they have to create one out of thin air. And so it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. (laughs) Now I can come, I come from an era where like, you know, I grew up in the eighties and, and, and this is a, this is an image that I have vividly in my head where I would, I would be going, walking home from school and my grandparents would be walking the other, walking the other way. So this was kind of like the post-war, the post-war generation and my 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 nan my, and my granddad, my nan would always be kind of she would always be uh, wearing a dress with shoes. My granddad would be generally wearing leather shoes, a pair of trousers, a shirt. If it was a if it was a wedding, he would be wearing a tie um, mm-hmm. and sometimes a hat as well and stuff. So that was the kind of last of that kind of generation. And it's interesting that what's kind of what's happened in the UK at least in the kind of I would guess late 90s to early millenniums, there was this push to sort of dress down culture, particularly in the financial district on like a Friday afternoon. And it's like this combined with whatever else is going on in, in style masculinity. It's, it's, it's almost like it's gone too far the other way now. And people are like, actually, no, we need a bit more kind of formality back and a, and a bit more appropriateness for what people should be wearing in certain situations. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of it is that we are, I think people in a lot of ways are afraid of formality and I don't think that the like all good style has to be formal. I think you should be able to, to kill it in jeans and a t-shirt and sneakers just as much as you can in a suit. But I agree with you that we've killed off a lot of that formality. And I think it's because formality requires sincerity. And I think people are in a lot of ways are afraid of sincerity where they can be, you're a whole lot safer if everything can be ironic or if you never take yourself or anything else too seriously, or if you always just leave this kind of back door open of I'm joking, or it's not that big of a deal, man, or why are you freaking out about this? It doesn't matter. And all of that is if you do dress or do anything else in a way that's formal or serious or whatever else, then you're rejecting that. And most people don't have the courage to reject that because it's, it's safer to just never actually have to commit to anything or be sincere about mm. anything. Mm. Yeah. And I think the, yeah. And, and I think the, the only situation where I think that you can be guaranteed now in the UK for, for people to actually dress appropriately is probably a funeral because most places now, be it whether it's like a wedding, people will wear jeans to weddings. Mm-hmm. Uh, people will wear jeans to, um, to like to go like horse racing and to go to other kind of formal events so it's probably a black tie event and a funeral are the only two occasions where 
people actually and and even then you can tell that there is somebody yeah you'll be standing there at the kind of bar and, and guys will be like oh i can't stand this suit i feel so uncomfortable with <laughs> this wait suit. To get this i can't wait to get this tie off when we start dancing later sort of thing so well you and even you're lucky that you even have that because of the last three funerals that i've been to i was the prick who showed up totally overdressed which means i was in a black suit with a white shirt and a black tie which is pretty standard funeral attire but everybody else is there in their nice jeans and their their button-up shirt as opposed to their t-shirt and it's yeah we just we don't have respect for things Hmm. and or if we do we don't understand how clothing and symbolism within that can help contribute to that respect for things and more often than not we're interested in just how can i be comfortable yeah 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 and if you're caught, and, and I think there is a tendency as well, just kind of segueing neatly into this. I think there's a tendency now that I've noticed that if you call anyone out on something, then you're sh- then you're shaming them. You know, it's kind of the 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 classic get out of jail card free now is that mm-hmm. if you call anyone out on anything, then you're then you're automatically shaming them rather than just right. actually. So because just people can't, they're not able to kind of park their ego at the door and actually say no they're actually saying that from a place of sincerity rather than saying it from a place of being a dick do you know what i mean absolutely so um it's interesting it's interesting how it's evolving and and what i've noticed you know i've been to uh to spain and france and particularly kind of some of the latin countries um and there seems to be kind of like a they embrace uh style in a lot more of a different way i mean i can remember when we went on holiday once down to the very southern tip of italy a place called mm-hmm. trapeo which is down near the foot of italy and we went to this little town on a saturday evening and it wasn't a kind of big town it wasn't a rome it wasn't a kind of milan or anything like that and we went out and there was you know there was maybe three generations of um a generation of, of a family out so there'd be there'd be the little bambinos and there'd be the parents and the grandparents and stuff and that. And you'd see the guys, you know, when, again, we're not talking suits, we're just talking, you know, just very kind of classic shirts, maybe a statement kind of like belt buckle or whatever, and a pair of jeans, maybe flip flops or a pair of, a pair of shoes without socks or whatever. But you just look at them and then you'd look at their, their wives or their partners again, who kind of, it's not like a formal attire, but just, there's just something it's just something about it which just looks there's more intentionality yeah there's intentionality and it just looks they just look cool she looks stunning mm-hmm. he looks handsome and as a picture you just like wow they look like right. what we would call kind of over here martini drinkers because there used to be an advert <laughs> where like the cool you know the good looking people that drunk martini but they just look and just like picture perfect but also kind of just like an effortless kind of exactly. what the French call je ne sais quoi and you see it in France as well it's just like it's kind of you know it's not it's like they've they've not put too much effort in but they just right. look fabulous do you know what I mean yeah well yeah and actually there's an Italian term for it it's a uh, sprezzatura which is basically this kind of practiced nonchalance or this this perfect imperfection and it is it's the ability to take something that a lot of people in the UK or in the States wherever else we just associate it with formal and stiff and dressed up and they wear it in a way that it looks like they want to wear it as opposed to that they have to wear it. And maybe there's one or two little tweaks that break some rules, but it's done in a way that, that looks good and intentional as opposed to this guy has no idea what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And the other thing as well that it, that it, that it creates kind of like an aura as well. And I know that this mm-hmm. is something you touch on uh, in your book, The Appearance of Power. It, it creates this aura and kind of you can see you maybe can't see it but you that you can see there is it changes the dynamic because you know we have this kind of saying it's an old-fashioned saying that if you if you want to if you want to be treated like a lady you behave like a lady and if you want to be treated like a gentleman you behave like a gentleman and it's interesting that when you see this kind of dynamic happening there is a different a totally different aura to you know the way that the, the, the man and the woman kind of interact together and the kind of chemistry and it's a kind of it's like an untouchable force that you can't you you, you it might not you not be able to see it in a kind of mm-hmm. in a um in a kind of tactile way but you can sense it when you walk past a couple that just look stunning do you know what right. i mean yeah especially because they lean into the fact that men and women are different and it becomes very complementary as opposed to either being competitive or just both trying to find the lowest common denominator available. Hmm. Yeah. And I, and you do, it's just, it's just so noticeable when you see it. And that's one thing that I do really kind of, I do notice that a lot in, in Latin and particularly Southern European countries more so than kind of in, in, Nord, in Northern Europe. But I guess mm-hmm. maybe it's also because in the summer you kind of got that kind of more sort of carefree, you're out in, you know, right. you're out in the sunshine, you're chilling out and stuff. Yeah, and that's that. where people go to vacation. And yeah, stuff like of course, yeah. of course. So what? Do you, so we've touched upon kind of how the kind of dress down culture plays into things. Do you think it's kind of created a bit of a confusion or more of a kind of a get out clause or a kind of combination of, of the both, would you say? I would say that it's one of a bunch of different factors and a lot of it has contributed to confusion. Um, I think that that casualization and that fear of sincerity is part of it. I think another thing that's a big part of it too is as the world becomes more and more globalized, you no longer have people who necessarily feel distinctly Italian versus French versus, you know, I live in the south of the states versus I'm up in the Pacific Northwest. And it used to be when areas were more homogenous and diversity existed kind of like a stained glass window where you have separate pockets as opposed to the melting pot where everybody's in together, then it would allow for different aesthetics to expand and grow and become more what they are. And that's where these traditions and everything else come from. But as we've all been kind of thrown into this melting pot together, then it no longer wearing a suit doesn't send the same signals to everybody wearing a t-shirt and jeans doesn't send the same signals to everybody. And so it becomes a lot more difficult for people to navigate it because all the old rules just kind of get thrown out the window, but it hasn't been so long that new rules have been established. And so we're in this really weird kind of transition time, Mm. especially for men, because now we're dealing with the boomer idea of, well, you know, you shouldn't care about how you dress. And then we're also dealing with not only the globalism, but the, the move that men and women shouldn't be different and everything should be more androgynous. Like there's so many different factors that are going in all this that I don't blame. I don't blame guys for just wanting to throw their hands up and say, this is stupid. As long as I don't look like a complete moron, I don't care how I look because Mm -hmm. unless you know what you're doing, it's a really weird world to navigate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the thing is as well is I think for, for a lot of guys and probably girls as well, it, a lot of it comes down to how you feel about you. How, you know, if you're a little bit overweight and you know you're a bit overweight, say you know you're, I don't know, thirty pounds overweight, 
and and the and the jeans the, the 32 inch jeans that you used to get into when you were kind of in your early 20s they don't fit the last mm-hmm. thing you want to do is to go into like a hot um changing room of a clothes shop i mean most guys hate shopping anyway at the anyway, best of times yeah. so trying to go into a clothes shop and 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 try stuff on the the problem i have the same as with probably other guys i'm six foot two so what typically happens is because i'm six foot two and kind of sort of got quite a, a slimish sort of frame what happens mm-hmm. is um stuff to get the length in the sleeves a lot of stuff is too big in the body you're swimming so, in it yeah so what typically happens is i have to kind of i have to say okay i'm just gonna have to accept that my collars are going to be a little bit too short on my arms unless right. unless i want to go for like a custom-made shirt or whatever and stuff yeah. and that so you have to kind of compromise and stuff but those kind of i think those compromises sometimes put guys off from just like going and just trying stuff like I know that there's probably two or three shops that generally fit me quite well, but there's right. others that just like, I'm just not even going to bother with that because I try stuff on, it feels uncomfortable. If you know, the fits shit and it's just not going to work at all sort of thing. So, but, uh, but yeah, I think that's, that does kind of play into it. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Because one is you kind of are admitting defeat, whether it's I'm admitting defeat because I'm now confronted by the fact that I can't wear a 32. I have to wear a 36. I can no longer pretend. But the other part of it is that same thing where brands are more interested in volume and profit and everything else, which are good things, but not when they come at the expense of other things. And so they will try and make something that fits everybody but then it just ends up not fitting anybody. And so like big and tall, for example, like there's no such thing as big or tall. You basically just get big and tall. So based on your height, they're also going to assume that you have an extra 150 pounds on your build that you don't actually have. And you're just stuck making that compromise. And so, yeah, it's another way of just kind of admitting defeat where it's like, I can't get excited about this. I have to go buy another shirt that I'm going to be irritated about because it's going to be too short or it's going to be too baggy or it's going to be whatever else. Whereas when you do find the right brands or you do go custom or you, you basically can dial all that in, then you don't have that sense of defeat or that sense of frustration or anything else. And you feel like you're totally killing it when you're getting new stuff or you're putting on the stuff that you already have because it feels awesome and it looks great. And there's, there's none of that in the back of your head. It's just like, this just sucks. I'm just compromising and I hate it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the classic one that I used to find was jeans. And then I kind of went to like a, uh, I went through tons of different pairs of jeans and then replay were the ones that I just found that always kind of fit and and they do one they do something which is called hyperflex now which is you, you know this is the guy's going to love this if they're if their wives and girlfriends wear uh, leggings or whatever but they're kind of they're ever so slightly stretchy but mm-hmm. because because they're replay they they do it where it's kind of stretchy at the top but then below the knee you've got some you've got some give so they don't actually nice. they don't actually look like you're wearing a pair of skin tight kind of right. leggings Good. or like jogging bottoms so but that's just but you the same old thing we because it's because it's replay and it's you know italian design you have to kind of pay a little bit more for that but the trade off is that you get a pair of jeans that you know are going to fit you properly sort of things yep but uh, so for guys looking to kind of j- just totally kind of bamboozled by this and where they need to start, what is the kind of best starting point, do you think, Tanner, for, for guys that are looking to sort of educate themselves a bit more on this? I mean, you touch upon it in, in your book, The Appearance of Power, which, um, which a few elements I'm going to pull out and talk to you about. But 
from a starting point point of view? The first thing that I would say that most guys need to do, and I'm sure that this is something that you tackle with other guests in other arenas all the time, but it's recalibrating what your mindset is and what your personal relationship is with your appearance. Because most men, we just, we have either an indifference, you know, or this kind of frustrated compromising one, or even more of an antipathy, this kind of hatred for the fact that I even have to think about it or anything else. When really, when you can develop an affinity and the way you develop that affinity is you start to realize that style, especially one of the distinctions that I make is fashion and style are different. And fashion is something that some 22-year-old girl in New York or in London who has a degree and her company needs to be able to make something that they can sell that they're not selling off of last year and it has to be different. They're the ones who tell you this is what's on trend. This is what the high status people are wearing. This is whatever else. So fashion is something that you consume that's created by somebody else. Whereas style is when you know yourself, you know your relationship with the world, you know your relationship with the other people who matter, you know what your goals and your aspirations are, and you recognize that your appearance is a method of communication, just like the way that you speak or your body language or anything else. And so you create an aesthetic, you create an appearance that helps you better communicate that internal person to the, to the rest of the world externally. And then it becomes very personal and it becomes very, it becomes kind of fun because you realize that you can, in a lot of ways, morally manipulate people into perceiving you a certain way. And even more importantly, you can manipulate yourself into seeing yourself a certain way. And so it becomes this, this really cool, almost a, almost a placebo that you can create to, to make things better for yourself. Mm. You have to start with the understanding that all of that is even possible and then learn how to execute on it from there. Yeah. So it sounds like that you want to kind of align your style with your overall vision that you may have for yourself in other areas so that it begins to, these things begin to kind of click into place like a jigsaw puzzle. And then you, and then at that point you can kind of reach a, a point of full ownership of the way you look and what, what look, what looks rock for you and what, what looks don't in, in effect. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we do it naturally and intuitively as children. That's why you dress up as your favorite superhero. That's why when your friend shows up with some cool shoes and you think that he's, you know, maybe he's the one who's the the more dominant one or the cooler one in the group and you want to dress like him, you know, teenagers deal with this a lot. Whereas you're finding out your identity and you're part of different cliques in high school, you may dress more like this, this group or that group or anything else. But for adults, there's social risk that comes with changing the way that we dress. People are used to seeing us a certain way and even more so we're used to seeing ourselves a certain way. And as we change those aesthetics, we're basically sending a different signal to the world where it's, I'm no longer content with who I was. I'm now becoming somebody else. And a lot of guys shy away from that because you can't do that quietly or in private. You're projecting that to the rest of the world around you. Yeah. And, and a really good example of that is when I've, when I've been working with guys and they and they start to make some changes to themselves and typically that the first thing they do is they start working out so they get themselves in mm-hmm. shape the second thing they do once they start to work out is they want to show off how that how you know their new frame and how they look so they're going to get themselves another wardrobe now the logical uh the logical next step from that is that you begin to get attention so you get attention from uh, members of the same sex they say oh you're you're looking pretty good you've dropped a few yeah. pounds what are you up to at the moment and stuff and then and then 
the uh, the un, unforeseen consequence of working out as well quite often is that you get interest from the opposite sex as well which for you know which for married guys you know who have been with their wives for a period of time you know and by and, and I want to make crystal clear here that this is not a license to go and have an affair with the first woman no, who pays interest not. in you but what I'm about to say is that it it, a lot of guys aren't used to that. They're not used to a woman behaving in a slightly more um, interested way in them. And that is just, you know, that's just biology at the end of the day. You know, right. women are attracted to to uh, to good-looking, well-dressed men in the same as men are attracted to good-looking, well-dressed females. That doesn't mean to say that you're going to have an affair or whatever and stuff. But I think that, again... That feels uncomfortable for guys because it's just not. They knew it may might happen, but they're just not ready for that. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Or their wives resent it, or they they feel like I should have already had this figured out fifteen years ago, and so somehow I'm failing and I'm embarrassed by the fact that I haven't, and so it's better to just stick with what I know. Or there's so many different stories we could tell ourselves to basically maintain our inertia of. I, I just stopped improving after I got married, had a few kids and got into a good career. Yeah. 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 And this kind of becomes almost like self-sabotaging, doesn't it? Like, totally. oh, actually, I'm kind of, I've reached this point. I'm doing really well, but maybe I should start, you know, uh, maybe I should back off on the exercise bit because this is, you know, this change is coming about too fast sort of thing. And stuff. Like that, so. <laughs> but it comes back to the whole alignment with your vision, doesn't it? If you kind of, if you're aligning this and it's kind of part of a kind of bigger, bigger picture. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if your mindset and your, your whole identity is rooted in, I'm someone who's constantly improving, constantly building, constantly growing, then none of these changes become a threat to that. Where if your identity is, I do X for a living, or I have Y number of kids, or I'm married to Z person. And then if any of those things change or any of these other changes that you're making kind of threaten that, then you know, we, we never want our identities to be threatened. No. Right. And so the, the, the trick is rooting your identity in something that allows for growth is something that's more permanent as opposed to, hi, I'm Tanner. I'm a style coach. And okay, maybe I'm not doing that in 30 years. That should not be what my identity is. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's kind of the mindset and also understanding how the, how the change and the shift in dynamics is going to, is going to possibly make some changes into how you perceive yourself and how others others perceive you and it's it's that old thing isn't it getting comfortable getting comfortable with feeling uncomfortable in yep. in in that area of kind of personal change so mindsets so mindsets the first thing what what other things do you think are gonna a guy is going to encounter as they start to start on this journey uh the big i would say the next big thing to pay attention to is a lot of guys will have the tendency to kind of create a, a false conflation of most women care about fashion. I'm starting to care about how I look. Therefore I should ask a woman for advice on how I should be dressing. And a lot of guys do that, or they even brag about, I don't, I don't, I don't know. My wife buys all my clothes. I don't think about it. My wife does this for me or whatever else. And what a lot of men don't understand is that a woman's aesthetic goals and a man's aesthetic goals are typically very, very different. This is another one of the things I address in the book because most women based on what their biology is, based on what they've been valued for for thousands of years, will typically dress in a way that signals things like their youth. It will signal how current they are. It will signal fertility in a way that's different than men. It will signal beauty in a way that's different from men. And obviously on a fundamental level, we get that where it's, you know, 
most guys aren't, they're not having their wives buy them high heels and push up bras, right? But on a more subtle level, they, and I can tell, I, it's so easy for me to tell the guys who their wives dress them because they're wearing the stuff that their 18 year old kids should be wearing. Right. And, and it's, they're trying to look younger or they're trying to look trendier or whatever else. And that works for women, but for men, youth and vitality are not the signals that we should be sending. We should be sending signals of things like credibility, authority, mastery, self-respect, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And for most women, a lot of that doesn't even show up on their radar. So they're not going to know how to dress in a way that sends those kind of signals. And so you need to work with men. You need to work with traditions or work with somebody like me who can help you figure out how you actually send those kind of signals. Because that even goes back to what you were talking about with these, these Italian martini couples, the complimentary nature of them, where she looks young and beautiful and like she's totally aware of what's going on. And yes, he looks contemporary, but he also looks masculine and credible and authoritative and, and good in very different ways than how she looks good. Do you want to get involved with a community of other dads who are looking to develop themselves? To continue the conversations we have here on this podcast in a place for dads only that fosters brotherhood, camaraderie and personal growth, then we have just the place for you. At the Guild of Dads Facebook group, you can connect with other dads on a similar journey, share experiences, offer support and seek support. Most of all, you can get some accountability in your own journey and get involved with the discussions and topics that every dad faces. So look us up on Facebook, join up and get involved with the discussion. Looking forward to seeing you in the Guild so you can start your journey with us today. Mm, yeah, and I think the touching on what you what you were saying there is it the is it the quite often when guys go sh like i i like going shopping by myself and, my, and mm -hmm. i'll come back and my wife be like what have you what have you bought what have you bought that's just <laughs> that's just awful but i know if i go shopping with her she'll go like we went we went to we went to ireland at the weekend so we walk so we're in a, we're in a clothes shop and i wanted to get some i wanted to get a couple of shirts and a pair of chinos so we're looking at different colors shirts and whatever and stuff and i'm trying on different ones whatever. she comes to the way the uh, dressing room and she's got like a i think it was like a mauve or a purple shirt and like mauve and purple <laughs> i'm just like color right don't come anywhere, anywhere near me with that. It's just like, but she thinks it looks, she's like, oh, that's a really nice color. Maybe for her, but right. but I'm just like, I'm not wearing purple or mauve. Right. You know? I, and it I, may even look good with your coloring where <laughs> she's thinking about it purely from kind of the science of aesthetics where you've got this kind of complexion. And so this kind of color is going to work. And that's great. But if it sends the wrong signals, none of it matters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she can she can be right in that it's a it's a flattering color on you, but be totally wrong because you're not going to wear that because it doesn't it doesn't communicate what you want it to communicate. No, no, but yeah, so we do have some we do have some quite amusing uh, amusing exchanges when 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 we're shopping together. <laughs> I bet. I bet. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's and it's it's really kind of. I think it's kind of quite fun sometimes going shopping, but yeah, it does sometimes have its drawbacks. Definitely, as well. especially when she's tagging along. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, so we touched touched upon the the uh, mindset and also kind of you know understanding understanding how uh, how it's going to kind of change the the message that you want to give as a guy and stuff. What what else do you think there is that that guys are going to kind of face face as they start to look at look more close at their style journey. 
the next big challenge is that there's you will get guys who either already feel or have it reinforced in them. Some of the things that we've already hit on a, a little hmm. bit like that in order to dress better, you have to dress more formally, you know, that, well, okay, I, I don't like the way that I look right now when I'm in t-shirt and jeans all the time. And so the solution is I have to do chinos and a button up shirt, or I have to really go above and beyond and I have to buy a suit. And then sadly that kind of stuff gets reinforced by a lot of the online resources. Cause most men now know it's like, okay, I don't know how to do this. I'm going to go look for online resources. They'll go to subreddits or to different forums that talk about menswear or men's style. They're watch YouTube videos and there's, there's tons of great resources out there. But then the problem that a lot of guys will run into is the same problem you experience with any sort of self-development arena is you get, hundreds of influencers or other people who are talking about this topic, how the, how in the world do you distill the bad information from the good information without having to sink thousands and thousands of hours into pouring through these threads and watching these videos and subscribing to these sites. And, and so it, for, again, for a lot of guys, it can be really overwhelming mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, I want to do this. I'm not going to rely on, on my wife or my daughter or girlfriend or whatever else to do it what the crap do I do to actually do this and do it right? Because there's so much information out there and I have no idea how to even start to tackle it. And so finding the right kind of resources is the next crucial step because when you find the right resources, then for the most part, you can pretty comfortably rely on them to give you good information mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, how am I the product that they're selling because they're selling my eyeballs to advertisers or stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And is this where, what you mean when you sort of start, when you talk about how a lot of the advice is kind of quite tactical rather than, right. rather than strategic? What does it, what yep. does it, what does that mean, tactical versus strategic? Yeah, absolutely. So this is a, again, another one of the concepts that I cover in the book is that before you even know what it is that you, what it is you should be buying or how you should be wearing it or what you should be pairing it with, which is what most of these sites or, or channels or everything start off with. You need to know what the main objective is. What are the signals that you're trying to send? Who is it that they're being sent to? How much are you trying to affect the way that you feel or the way that you see yourself? And you need to come up with a strategy. You need to understand things like how you fit within the world. You need to understand who your different tribes are, how people at work or your family or other people perceive these things. And only then when you understand those things, can you apply the tactics of that means I'm going to buy these shirts or I'm going to wear these pants or I'm going to pair it with these shoes or whatever else. If you think about it from a perspective that's a little bit easier to kind of wrap our heads around, think about the tactics of, you know, am I going to, it, what's the best weapon for me to carry? Should I have a rocket launcher or a handgun or a sword? And it's like, well, it, it depends entirely on what it is that you're trying to do, right? Because if you're trying to be surreptitious and you've got a, a very specific target and you want to be as, as sleek and as quick as possible, a rocket launcher is a terrible option for that. Maybe the sword is going to be the quickest and the, and the most silent and the most effective way to do it. But sadly, you'll get guys who are saying the only weapon you should ever use is a sword or the only thing you should ever have is a rocket launcher. And we see the aesthetic equivalent of that where always wear a suit or never wear a suit and it really depends on what it is you're trying to do. So you have to figure out what you're trying to do before you can start putting any energy into figuring out how it is you're going to go about doing it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, the, you, you see that a lot where people are having, 
you know, they'll wear, they're not too sure. So they'll typically wear like a black suit, black tie and white shirt. And and I know, I'm, and again, going back to kind of sort of the, the old rules, if you like, um, I, I'm still, I still remember where you only, it wasn't too long ago that you only wore a black tie if you were going to a funeral. Right. Um, but now that kind of that that has kind of not been swept away, but it's b- become now more socially acceptable in the last few years for guys to wear a black tie, and yep. probably people above a certain age will be like, "You off to a funeral or something?" Like, you right? Know, because that's how it kind of changes and evolves. You know what I mean? Exactly, and we see it even more and more aggressively. A lot of the guys who I have who work with me one on one with my coaching are guys who work in the tech space because. Talk about an industry and a tribe that's totally blown up all the traditional dress codes. You know, if you're working for Google or Facebook and you show up to work one day wearing a suit, you're an idiot. Like you, you, and people are going to treat you like you're a complete outlier. Like you don't understand the nuances and the, the social hierarchy of how that tribe works and what it is that you're, you're basically just saying, I'm totally obtuse. I don't get any of this. And I'm just going to default to what these old rules are and, force you guys to acknowledge and it, it doesn't work like that. Mm. And so you have to figure out a way to stay within the same level of formality that's acceptable within that particular environment, but still differentiate your style by using other tools as opposed to I'm going to dress, I'm going to throw on a shirt and a tie or a suit because that's the only way to dress better. And so it, it's that same thing where you need to know what your goals are. You need to know what your audience expects. You need to know, again, all these different strategic objectives that you're trying to accomplish before you can even start to inject what the actual tactical approaches to them are mm-hmm. and so get getting clear on what your objectives are is going to help mm-hmm. you a lot in in terms of the strategic approach and being right. able to kind of rock that look and maybe yep. even if you are going to go into a kind of more creative space you can add more formal elements into that or conversely, if you're going to be in a more kind of formal space, you can add more kind of subtle touches to that. And I guess, Absolutely. I guess that would be stuff like you know belt buck uh, belt buckles, cufflinks, maybe right. something that's a different color. Maybe your lapels are a little bit wider. Or you yeah. use a tie knot that's a little bit different, or your suit has a little bit different texture to it, or all these little subtle things that for somebody who's not part of that particular group, they see. You know, you take uh, attorneys for example, where if you're not in a suit and a tie every day, then for most, for the most part, they all look exactly the same. But when you and everybody else around you are in suits and ties every day, then you do start to pay attention to those little details. What's his shoulder construction like? How wide are the lapels? How big is the belly on the drape through the jacket itself and these little things? And you need to be socially fluent enough to be able to answer those questions and then dress accordingly. And so that's why the very basic advice of, if, okay, if you want to dress better, put on a suit. Doesn't it, it's not helpful. It's not applicable. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting when when you discuss in the book about the golden ratio uh, in terms of uh, body, in terms of your kind of body proportions. And it wasn't the actual archetype section; it was more the body section uh-huh. of the book. And it's that's not the first time I've come across the uh, golden ratio because I remember it being mentioned in terms of kind of ar- architecture sometimes people call right. it the hand of God don't they because yeah. it's been noticed in different kind of forms in nature and for people that don't um, have no- never come across the golden ratio and they're listening to this podcast basically it's like a, it's like a it's an element of proportionality in terms of dimensions and it's been said um, historically that it's the it's the exact proportions 
that the human eye uh, perceives as beautiful. So, right. and and it's been it's been suggested that it's been found in kind of the proportions in Roman buildings in archway. There's yep. a big Renaissance kind of influence over it. So, just sorry, yep. but I was just interjecting there to put a bit of meat on the bones. But it was interesting how the golden ratio came up in the book in terms of a man's body proportion and also the relevance to the lapels pointing downwards and, and flaring upwards towards the shoulders. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things where one of the best examples of it is actually related to the human body. It's Da Vinci's Vitruvian Man. Yeah. And he goes through and he breaks down how how according to those ratios, like what the perfect build would be, like how long your your thighs are relative to your shins, relative to the length of your foot, or you know, how much do your eyes line up with the width of your lips and the length of your nose and all this other stuff. And obviously, unless you're doing insane plastic surgery, you're not really messing with any of that stuff. But with our clothing, you can absolutely start to tweak with that stuff because maybe your torso is disproportionately too long in comparison to your legs. Okay. Then all you need to do is wear a pair of trousers that can visually elongate your legs and shorten your torso. And then all of a sudden it looks like everything's exactly how it's supposed to be. Or like you were talking about the lapel and how it creates that V shape because the golden ratio applies to how broad your shoulders are versus how broad your waist is. And you can tweak with that a little bit so that you can create more and more of the visual appeal of hitting that golden ratio and symmetry and all these other things that we naturally are just drawn to and we want to be around whether that's in a sexual way or just i want to be associated with that kind of person kind mm. of way mm. Mm. so it's knowing how the proportions work and and you touch upon it really well in the book in terms of the different kind of patterns and you know a prime example is horizontal stripes and vertical stripes and stuff and that and we've all seen these fashion programs on that maybe mm -hmm. no, actually no I, I i'm being generous by calling fashion programs <laughs> they've, they've, we've all seen these kind of dodgy programs that are kind of slightly on the edge of whether they should be mainstream but uh t t talking rather larger frame people out of wearing horizontal stripes and then and then they're like no no i'm going to choose horizontal stripes and everyone watching the tv is like no <laughs> you can't wear that <laughs> what are you doing yeah exactly <laughs> no so so we've touched upon a few different sort of challenges that guys are going to are going to uh, encounter as they start to kind of pay a little bit more attention to their style and their style journey now one of the things that i think comes up a lot for dads and we had a bit of a joke about this on a on twitter earlier on in the week was in terms of the appropriate way to dress, you know, when you're plus 30, plus 40, plus 50, because I've found, and this might not be for everyone, but I've found as I've got a little bit older, certainly the other side of 40, I'm like, actually, maybe there's certain things I probably shouldn't be wearing that I probably mm -hmm. was wearing in my 20s and stuff. And obviously, we talked about the fact that, you know, I'm a silver fox now. Uh -huh. um, and Which my so wife would be very jealous. She can't wait for me to go gray. <laughs> <laughs> I keep getting those compliments. And I'm like, have you been sincere or not? And my wife Well, especially because like, you've got like such it. a good thick head of hair that it's, yeah, it's it's good. Yeah, yeah. So, that, so that, this is another kind of sort of challenge that you sort of, sort of think well am i dressing appropriately for my age i mean mm -hmm. we've we've joked about this again we've joked about this on twitter where i've kind of i've tweeted about you know guys in the middle of winter in my local town walking along with a hoodie cargo shorts and and and, and flip-flops you know dressing like they're kind of 13 years old sort of thing right and you just like you know you, you look like your son who's 13 
and plus also it's like four degrees celsius you just, <laughs> what are you doing what are yeah. you doing sort of thing but it, it, jokes aside is there a kind of point but where by which you kind of actually need to sort of think maybe i should not be kind of wearing this kind of stuff at this point or again does yeah. it kind of overall objective strategic objectives come into it well, it's a tricky thing, and it's hard for a lot of guys as you get older because you run into two different challenges. The first one we've already touched on a little bit where it's the the liability of youth and looking like you think you're still 18 when you're clearly not, or even more so what you were talking about, this kind of boyish obliviousness that you should not, as as a grown man, uh, obliviousness is sending that signal is just, it's just a, it's a bad signal to send, irrespective of anything else that you're trying to accomplish sending the signal that you are just totally obtuse and don't know what's going on. It's a bad signal to send. Right. And so there's that problem of the youth and the boyishness and the everything else. But then on the other side, you have this idea of style should be timeless or this looked really good when I was 20. And so I'm going to continue to wear this and it doesn't matter that trends have changed or that things have evolved and it doesn't there's that stagnancy or that inertia can become just as much of a problem where if you look like you still are dressing like it's 1995 or 1985 or whatever else then the signal that you're sending to yourself and everybody else is basically that was when i hit my peak and nothing about my life has improved or grown or developed or anything else since then that was the best time of my life and i'm holding on to that for dear life as much as i possibly can <laughs> right and so it's finding a balance between the best way that I've been able to describe this is kind of like a current in a river and it's riffing off of, um, Oh, it was either Washington or Jefferson. One of them who said in matters of principle, stand like a rock and in matters of fashion flow with the current. Mm -hmm. But basically when you're thinking about a current in a river, there are different points that travel at different speeds. You can have a part right in the center where the current's really, really quick. And that's where you should be spending your time when you're young or when you're up and coming or when you're really high status and you have a lot of things that you're kind of trying to shake up because that trendiness is really much to your advantage. You have these eddies that just continue to go around in circles and circles and circles. And for the most part, you don't want to get trapped in that at all. Mm -hmm. But then you also have these more kind of slow, comfortable, easygoing parts of the current where it does change, but the change is gradual and it's pretty easy to adapt to. And it's not that big of a deal. And that's where most men, especially I would say 35 plus that's where most guys should be hanging out is in that, yeah, my style's different now than it was five years ago, and it'll be different in another five years, but I'm not chasing every single trend, and I don't look like my high school kids do, or like I wish that I were still 18 or something else. Mm. Yeah. And one sort of one, I, one thing I found is that I, you know, for instance, I'm, I, I'm kind of more inclined to kind of ditch my high tops and put shoes on or certainly mm -hmm. certainly something that is a semi-shoe rather than a kind of full-on uh, we call them trainers over here but you guys are calling sneakers over there i guess but like for instance yeah that's one example of it another example of it is i'm kind of sort of i'm sort of more if it's a choice of wearing a a t-shirt that is kind of really kind of loud and kind of you mm -hmm. know is kind of like balearic mediterranean summer luminous you know or something that's a kind of little bit more kind of understated. I'm moving more from loud to slightly more understated right. in, in certain elements, but I would still yep. still keep a pair of jeans on, but it's just stuff is kind of moving 
into a kind of bit more, I would say, mature, distinguished, maybe kind of classical direction. Absolutely. Rather than that kind of, and away from such a kind of more sort of sportswear kind of, uh, element if that makes any sense yeah it, it makes perfect sense especially because from a communication standpoint what it signals is that you are you have now graduated from the phase of life where you have to prove yourself you have proven yourself and a lot of guys again take that too far where it's i've retired and now i can just wear my tropical hawaiian shirt and my flip-flops and my cargo shorts because nobody's allowed to expect anything of me because I've now passed on, you know, the, I can just be comfortable. There's taking it to that extreme, but then there's also this other extreme that a lot of guys do experience when they're younger, where it is, I have to prove myself and I'm really invested in what everybody thinks and, and I'm untested. And when you get to that 35 to 50, 60 range, then you are more and more tested and you have less that you actually have to prove. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and it's interesting. I was uh, when I was away at the weekend. We were at this hotel, and I think it must have been it must have been like a sixtieth or seventieth birthday in the next room. And it was really funny because uh, my wife and I kind of walked out, and my dad he's not not around anymore, but he would kind of he would wear like a check shirt and stuff and that. Mm-hmm. And it was really funny because we walked out into this kind of lobby area. And there was a group groups of um, older ladies and men there, and quite a few of the guys had kind of like you know cool droy with a check shirt and whatever, mm-hmm. and a classic kind of sort of you know sixty sixty plus. And I'm going to get all yep. this. I'm going to get all this hate mail from sixty plus men saying, "No, I don't wear that kind of stuff. I wear. I still. <laughs> <laughs> I wear that kind of stuff. You just update the fit on it so it doesn't look like you raided grandpa's closet for it. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just interesting these little kind of things that you kind of pick up up as you're kind of sort of looking around and stuff and yep yeah yeah and in terms of um kind of we touched upon kind of rules when we were talking about kind of black where certain things like wearing a bl- black tie and one mm-hmm. of the things over here is kind of sandals and socks and stuff that's kind of like a, a big no-no what i think guys also find a bit weird at the minute is that um the the you know, again we were kind of brought up in the kind of and I say we figuratively speaking because you're far mm-hmm. more stylish than what I am. <laughs> uh, we were brought up in an era where you're kind of the bottom of your trousers touched your shoes or touched your trainers right. or touched whatever your footwear were. But now, yeah. kind of in the last little while, you know, we call them kind of ankle swingers where they're kind of mm-hmm. like you know, sometimes halfway up your leg. Floods is yeah. what we call them out here. Yeah, yeah. So that so that is kind of a look where some guys are actually. I want to be trendy, but I'm not too sure whether I can go that far as to wearing yep. stuff that's kind of. And again, does that just come back to your strategy and what you feel comfortable with? Because like, if it you're all not comfortable, yeah, okay, yeah, because some of it is what you're comfortable with, and some of it is it may it may very well send the wrong signals. Because if you work on an oil rig in North Dakota, floods are a terrible idea. They're dangerous. And the guys there are going to treat you like you're a complete fop and and like what you have no business doing that. But if you are an entrepreneur and you run an online business and you're spending the next six months in Malta or in Southern Italy and you're, you have your family there and you're doing that stuff then embrace it because that's what is appropriate to that environment. Your ankles get a little bit of a tan on them and all that. Like it's so contextual. And that's, that's probably the biggest thing that I'm always harping on because especially a lot of other style bloggers or guys who do what I do, they will talk about things like fit is king. You know, as long as you can get a good fit, that's what matters the most. And fit is, is incredibly important. But the most important thing 
is context. You have to know the context of what you're doing, who's there, what are the expectations of the environment, all of these other things. And when you know that context, then you can either break the rules or follow the rules, but the context is always going to be what determines everything else. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I always have this joke with my friends and stuff because I've had a pair of Crocs by my back door that I will use to go out to the to, to the garage or do stuff in the garden uh-huh. and, the, and the same with sliders. Now, this would be controversial amongst the younger generation, but, you know, people sort of say to me, oh, you've got sliders and you've got Crocs. And I was like, yeah, I might have them for doing stuff in the garden or backyard, as you guys would call it. But there's no way on earth that I'm going down to town wearing those. That's for sure. That is for sure. I'm going to be wearing. Right. I'm going to be wearing something different when I go down to town, and that's kind of right. where the context comes in, comes into it. Whereas some people are like, "No, it's okay. I'll just wear my. I'll just wear my Crocs down to town." Whereas if you were going to like the rubbish tip or the refuse tip, then maybe maybe Crocs or sliders uh, might be appropriate footwear. But right. not if you're going down to the coffee shop downtown. It's just like maybe absolutely. Or for me, I'll do things. I've uh, one. I would never, you know, and this is obviously not an insult. I would never buy Crocs because I don't think there's any way that I could ever make them look good. <laughs> Sliders I do have. And there have been times that I've worn those where it's um, going to the grocery store after having gone swimming at the gym or something else like that. And so even knowing how to be able to take something like that and tweak it so that it does work, but I certainly would not wear it to go to a meeting with the client or to go on a flight or something else like that. So one is knowing the context of what's expected. And then two is knowing how everything else that you're doing fits within that context. And can you make sliders work within a specific context? And if so, how do you do that with your other clothes, with your grooming, with this other stuff? Or if it doesn't work at all, then being socially aware enough to know that this doesn't work at all. And there's no way I'm ever going to wear those in that particular environment. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. I mean, we could go on for like probably three hours talking about how these kind of different like kind of nuances as to gauging what is kind of what kind of works and what doesn't work. And mm-hmm. and again, what used to what used to be very kind of common over here within within uh, yeah, you weren't a man if you wore sandals or if you wore flip flops. Right. Men don't wear sandals or flip flops. Right. Again, if you go to Spain or Italy. You know, most of the guys will kind of would be wearing a very nice pair of leather sandals. Exactly, and, and and I always used to, I always used to feel comfortable wearing leather like like sandals and stuff. And my mates would be like, my mates who who would be having like white Reebok classics with white uh-huh. socks, and they'd be like, "Why are you wearing that?" And I'm like, "I just I just feel more comfortable with it." Sort yeah, of thing. it's good. I and can the, do it. Yeah. And, but now, kind of fast forward twenty years, everyone, you know, not everyone, but a lot more guys. Are wearing leather. No, I'm not holding myself out to be any kind of trendsetter or anything like that. But <laughs> no, I'm no. just you I'm got just, on that trend early. You take you take credit for that. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's funny. It's just interesting how it kind of how stuff the social yep. acceptability of wearing different things kind yep. of changes. And you know, we've been probably through a similar thing to you, what you guys have in major cities over there, where this stuff has become the term over here is kind of metrosexual, where guys right. have become a little bit more kind of concerned with their grooming. Some guys have been over concerned with their grooming to the point that they are beginning to look a little bit effeminate. So you go in the right. other way. Well, and that's the problem because we we operate within this very limited field of, you know, your dad's generation, the, the boomers, maybe the silent generation acted like it didn't matter at all. But then you also have the over grooming and the everything else. And really, when you think about, tell me that, Tell me that, and this is one of the, uh, for you guys who are on either Twitter or on Instagram, one of the things that I do is I do a series where I pull up pictures that are 
basically from all over the world, from all different points of history. And it may be armor or it may be paintings or it may be whatever else where these men very clearly would care about their appearance, you know? And so you hear things over here. One of the ones that I hear all the time is no man would ever be caught dead wearing skinny pants. Like no real man would ever do that. And then you look at the uniforms of the British and the Americans during our revolutionary war. And every single one of them had on skinny pants that were tucked into their boots. And it's like, you're right. You're way more masculine behind your keyboard than any of those guys were because you're wearing baggy jeans and they had skinny pants on. Right. And so we do, we create these rules and the rules only work within the context that they, that they're created in. And that context is largely starting to disappear or at least be driven super into super small and very tight niche groups that are more based on industry or hobbies as opposed to race or country or geographic location or anything else like they used to be yeah and you've seen that with strong brands over here as well there's you know and uh, there's one particular brand over here called super dry well it's it's, mm-hmm. it's it's worldwide but it's a very very strong it's a very strong brand you know it's kind of sort of it treads that kind of middle ground between formal and you know very sort of beachwear so you've kind of got hoodies and t-shirts and right sometimes i do check shirts and kind of what i would call more sort of maybe skate chic if that makes any mm-hmm. sense but yeah. the problem is is it's become so such a strong powerful brand and the clothes to be fair they're very well made clothes but the the, the flip side of that is that super dry is becoming almost a victim of its own success now in that it is almost becoming like a uniform for everyone right. between like 25 and well there isn't an up i don't think there is an upper age limit because there are that many people wearing super dry now to the point where, where, where you know you talk to people and they're actually i'm not actually going to buy a super dry anymore because every single guy i see out at weekends in the autumn is wearing a windstopper coat and i don't exactly. want to look like everyone else right i, just I don't want to wear the uniform yeah so it's it's interesting how it's kind of moved from institutions maybe actually to kind of really, really super strong brands. But yep. actually now it goes full circle and people begin to move away from that. So actually, I don't want yep. to wear that super dry uniform. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yep. Um, and you can't fight it. That's just kind of a natural part of the the whole nature of appearance and aesthetics is that it's supposed to change. And as soon as you think you've got the rules set up and everybody's on board, then it's going to change and that's that's a feature and not a bug yeah yeah it's been a wicked discussion today and i've really enjoyed it because because uh, I, I like your kind of viewing on these different things and stuff and that and of course it's always easier to have a discussion with someone that completely agrees with you entirely our biggest disagreement is on crocs right <laughs> yeah yeah i'm gonna say uh, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll get your mailing address when we come off air and then i'll send you some crocs and i will indoctrinate <laughs> i'll indoctrinate you into the dark side of croc deal deal <laughs> tana if people want to find out about you and what you're up to what's the best way for them to do so in terms of your website and social media and that kind of stuff absolutely so the main website is masculine-style.com And if you guys really want to kind of dive into a lot of this stuff, especially understanding more about how your internal relationship with the world can apply to what your style should be, go take my style archetype quiz. Seven questions long, and it's going to give you an answer that's really going to help you get squared away on that. It's also going to get you on my mailing list because the site now, I don't write... I don't write articles or do things like that anymore. Most of the new content that I'm creating goes out in uh, emails to my mailing list. And we talk about 
both strategic and tactical approaches as far as how to get this stuff dialed in. As far as social media is concerned, the best platforms are both Twitter and Instagram, and both of those are at Tanner Guzzi, which is T-A-N-N-E-R-G-U-Z-Y. And uh, just a heads up on those, especially on Twitter, maybe 20, 25% of my content is actually style related, but the vast majority of the stuff I talk about is stuff that you guys are already interested in. That's why you're listening to this show anyway. It's masculinity and self-development and relationships and fatherhood and, and all of these other things that style is only a small piece of that big puzzle. And I like to, I like to figure out what the whole big puzzle is. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and it's interesting you say that because the more I have discussion, the more I talk, have discussions with people and we do deep dives into this stuff, the more you find that all of this stuff is more interrelated than you think it's going to be. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had an evolutionary bio, uh, neurologist, uh, psychologist, I should say, uh, that's going to be coming out in a couple of weeks speaking to me recently, just because, uh, I realized that there were certain things that were coming up in discussions with guests that interlinked back to evolutionary psychology. So yep. it made sense to have him on and speak to him because it, it, it all interlinks in terms of the discussion around masculinity and fatherhood and the interplay between men and women and, you know, all that good stuff. So um, what is the thing that gives you meaning, uh, Tyler? What's the thing that you, that you find meaningful? For me, it's my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Most of you guys know us as Mormons. And when we were talking earlier about identity and having your identity being rooted in something that matters, for me, it's, it's my relationship with God that way, because that hasn't always been there. And my identity has been rooted in very superfluous things in the past. But having that identity there that's what makes me want to be better every day. That's why I feel it's so important to be a good husband, why it's so critical for me to be a good dad to my four kids. That's why everything I do comes back to that. Mm -hmm. And that does, it gives me meaning. And what's cool is that not only does it bleed into the meaning of other things, but it allows me to have a meaningful relationship with my wife just because she's my wife, not out of any sense of obligation to God or anything else like that, but just because I love her. It makes me love being a dad just because I love being a dad. And so, yeah, it all, it all ties into that for me. Excellent. Excellent. It's something I don't prep any of my guests for. But I, I love do, that. No, I, thank you. <laughs> I do enjoy, I do enjoy the uh, responses I have. And it's, it's just, it's really nice to hear how that kind of gives you very much a North star in what you're doing and stuff. So yeah, I love it, man. I love it. Well, listen, thanks very much for coming and speaking to us today. And uh, it's been a, it's been a really good conversation. And uh, I will, I will uh, let you go on your merry way, sir. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Great conversation. I'm, uh, I'm excited to continue the relationship online. So thanks. Cheers, man. Cheers. Cheers. So there you have it. My conversation with Tana Guzzi. It was really fun uh, talking to Tanner today because we've had a few exchanges on Twitter over the last few months just in terms of the kind of commonalities that we see uh, in terms of men's fashion and men's style and also the quite catastrophic mistakes we see guys making in terms of their style. Now, one thing that we do agree on, Tanner and I, is that is the, the whole myth around uh, real men don't care how they look. It is very important uh, how you look and how you uh, craft your own sense of style just because regardless of whether you like it or not people will form a judgment on you based upon how you look 
And that's quite an unpopular thing to say in this day and age because a lot of people will say, both men and women, well, it doesn't really matter how you look. People should just accept you for who they are. But unfortunately, that's just not the way the, the way the world works. And so you can see that we have, clearly we have similar opini- opinions around what is happening in terms of men's style um, right now. And the key takeaway from our uh, conversation is that it does matter how you dress. The impression it gives and the message you want to give to the wider world around you. For sure, too many men, and dads in particular, and we did touch upon this in our conversation uh, around dressing like your 13-year-old son, too many dads, I think, have copped out on their appearance, which is having a knock-on effect on not only how they're perceived at work and in the workplace, but also how they're perceived in their social circles, at home, and more specifically, by their wives. Ultimately, if you don't take any pride in your appearance and you go out looking like a bit of a mess, then your wife is going to be the first person that is going to form an opinion on you and how you show up in the world. The key takeaways from my conversation with Tana were that style isn't difficult, but first and foremost, you need to take some time on it. That's point one. Point two, you need to be deliberate in how you are going about your style once you've decided on a style that kind of fits for you. And number three, really, you mustn't be scared to make some mistakes on the way to tweaking your personal style. Because let's face it, not everyone gets it right the first time. We've all, you know, made that fashion faux pas where you walk out and you're kind of wearing something that just doesn't kind of quite work. It worked when you tried it on in the shop, but it just really doesn't work. So you mustn't be scared to make some mistakes on the way to kind of tweaking your tweaking your personal style. We've all been around people that make style look effortless, like the martini couple that Tanner and I discussed, but you have to be willing to make an effort to align with it in your overall vision for yourself. You can find a bit more about Tanner via his website, which is masculine-style.com, where you can take his archetype quiz and also get a ton of useful information via his email list uh, you can check him out on social media he's on instagram and also twitter at tanner guzzi and it's also worth checking out his book the appearance of power which is available on amazon this is quite a good book to read because it gives you the context in which a lot of the different discussions and views around style are formed and it definitely is a good backdrop to what Tanner teaches. So there it is, today's episode wrapped up. If you like what we're doing, hit the subscribe button on your podcast player of choice, be it iTunes, Google Podcasts or Spotify and drop us a rating and review. The main thing is, is if you can share however you want to, either on WhatsApp, Messenger, text, make it a point to share it with at least one other dad today. It's really important as some of the information can be truly life-changing for dads you know. If you want to get involved with the discussion on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter, the handle is at Guild of Dads. And check out our Facebook group if you want to join the Guild. If you like what you hear and want to email me, joe at guildofdads.com, what you like, what you don't like, and who you would like me to interview even. Tell me your story and what your biggest challenges are right now. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more about what we're doing at Guild of Dads, then head over to www.guildofdads.com and in the meantime, live a life of vision, action 
and meaning.